Hey, a few years ago, um, I, I, I guess I should say I'm pretty blessed in my role here at New Hope. I do get to do a bit of travel uh, for our missions program. And a few years ago, before COVID, uh, I went to Sri Lanka for the first time, which is a pretty cool little country. I mean, they've been through some rough stuff, but they're a pretty cool little country. Um, and I was with Slater, which is pretty cool. And we were at our hotel and we decided we wanted to go and get some food that was a little different from Sri Lankan cuisine. Uh, if you've been to that part of the world, it's kind of like Indian. They will uh, be very confident that it's not like Indian. It's kind of like Indian. And we're there and uh, Pastor Peter Patterson, who you guys might have heard through our missions minutes, said to Slater and I, we need to go to the Aussie cafe. It's literally called the Aussie Cafe. It's down uh, on a waterfront. So we go down there and they've got Aussie food, which is pretty cool. They've got steak sandwich. They've got palmies. They've got Caesar salad, all the classics. Uh, and so we're eating there. Uh, I've got a Caesar salad, which, you know, it's not really that unlike me. If you know me, I eat pretty well, um, reasonably clean. And I'm eating it and maybe it was Slater, maybe it was Pastor Peter said, how's the bacon in that Caesar salad? I thought it was, tastes like bacon, right? Like, how, bacon just tastes like bacon, doesn't it? Except it was a little salty when I started to think about it. And I said, yeah, it's fine, mate. Maybe it's salty. Why is that? And he goes, well, it's not bacon. Don't say what? Okay. Turns out in Sri Lanka, if you get bacon, it's a rare find. I got what was called chicken bacon. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And, but it was in that moment, I'm eating this chicken bacon, I'm realizing this is not bacon. Now, I don't eat bacon even weekly in my daily life. I never really have. But in that moment, I realized something. Bacon's so much better than chicken bacon, right? <laughs> Can you imagine that chicken bacon? It doesn't even make sense. I took it, even though I don't even eat bacon, I just take it for granted. It was so weird. I never got to experience anything like it in that, in that moment where I was like, bacon. I don't even eat it, but I just wish I had bacon right now in the Caesar salad. And I think our lives in Australia are a little bit like this, where we have access to so much stuff. You think about it. If you go home tonight, say you, you make a, a silly decision and don't go to the after party, right? Let's say we do go to the after party. If we have the opportunity to not cook dinner, we can grab some grilled. We can get some takeaway, right? People will cook that for us. We don't even get out of the car. We just pull up at the drive-thru. Think about even being able to go to the grocery store and get whatever you want. Most of the time. Let's not talk about toilet paper and COVID. Most of the time, we can get what we want. What about a beach trip? We'll visit some family. We can go to the service station, and what do we put in our car without thinking about it? Not chicken. (laughs) Fuel. We put fuel in our car. (laughs) Chicken, bacon, fuel, not a thing. We put fuel in our car, right? But there are places in the world where fast food's not really a thing. There are places in the world where you can't get what you want on the grocery, uh, from the grocery store. You're lucky to get food at the grocery store. There are places in the world that if you want to get fuel, you're going to need to start lining up about a week in advance and don't leave that line. A week in advance. Think about that. But we just take what we have for granted. I think it's such a common thing in our Western society because we've got everything we ever need everything we ever want. If you want something, you've got the opportunity to get a job to save the money to buy that thing, right? Sometimes you might even just get the money to buy that thing. We take it for granted. So if we have so much stuff, why is anxiety on the rise? 
Why is depression more prominent than ever? Why are there so many people worrying about how they're going to make ends meet, how they're going to put food on the table? We have all this stuff. There are places that have nothing compared to what we have. Why is this stuff on the rise? And I think it's because we take things for granted. This is where the definition of taking things for granted comes in. It is the failure to properly appreciate something or someone mainly as a result of over-familiarity. Because we're so used to having everything, we fail to appreciate the fact that we have everything. It's a paradox in our thinking. And when we take so much of our lives for granted, it leads us down this road of anxiety, of depression, of worry, because we fail to appreciate what we have. And the dangerous thing about this, this attitude, is that it actually creeps over from our physical lives into our spiritual life, right? We can get to a point where we fail to appreciate what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. We fail to appreciate the journey that he's been on with us because we're just so used to it. We're so familiar with Jesus. We come to church every week. Yes, we lift our hands in worship and we hear a great message and then we go home and live our lives, right? We get familiar with it. We start taking Jesus for granted. And this is a dangerous place. And I know this because I've been here, even recently. Um, about, how long was October? A month ago, we had our, uh, our national, oh, not our national, our state conference uh, for our Australian Christian Churches movement. Uh, it was a great opportunity to go down, the team, some of our volunteers to go down and just spend time with pastors from all over Queensland, worshipping Jesus, networking, getting great input into us. And we do it every year, and it's always a great experience. But this year, someone said to me on the Sunday night before we left on Monday, oh, are you excited for ACC? I said to them, no. Right? Not, a good, not the answer you kind of want. And not that I didn't want to go. Hear my heart on this. It was just like, oh, yeah, it's just another conference. Like, I wasn't really, like, fired up. It was almost like I took it for granted. And in the first session, uh, God, in, in, when we worshipped me, before someone even took a microphone and started speaking, uh, God slapped me in the face. He said, mate, you've taken this experience uh, for granted. You've actually, you know, but it doesn't stop there. You're taking more than just the conference for granted. You're taking your journey with me for granted. And I had this moment where I realized, do you know why I wasn't excited, Matt? It's because you were spiritually dry. I've been taking my, uh, my journey with Jesus for granted for I don't even know how long, and I would hate to really think about it. But it led me to a point where I wasn't even excited for what God could do. Uh, amongst a thousand pastors and some and just an incredible experience. I took it for granted and I got slapped in the face for it by God. But it's a dangerous place to find ourselves in because we forget about Jesus in our day to day. And then we start asking questions like, where's God? And why isn't he answering my prayer? And I wanted that car park and he didn't give it to me. Right? We start, and we start questioning this and then we start, it goes from, okay, we're not getting the car park to oh, I don't know if I've got enough money next week to pay for groceries or tithe. So I'm just going to pay for groceries. And then we start getting anxious about things that we shouldn't be getting anxious about because we are taking God for granted. Who wants to live in that place? Thankfully, no, none of you guys put your hands up. That's great. Who would like to experience a different way of living? Who would like to not take God for granted, Right? Some of it, yes. Well, hopefully all of us. Hey, Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of John that he's come that we may have life and life to the fullest. I don't want a life where, yeah, I know about Jesus, but I'm worrying about everything. That doesn't seem like a full life to me. I want a life where I know about Jesus, I journey with Jesus, and I experience everything that he's got for me. 
That's not worry, anxiety, depression, but it's a full life. So who's with me? We're going to discover what we can do about this. Yes, great. We're going to Luke. We're changing Gospels out of John. We're going to Luke. Um, the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, the guy who writes this, he's a doctor, says it in the name. So this Gospel is full of healing miracles. And there's a really short and interesting one in chapter 17. And I think if we want to learn how we can not take God for granted, how we can uh, better experience this full life, even though it's a short one, there's some real keys here. So this is the story about Jesus healing 10 lepers. Uh, let's read it. Maybe it's on the screen. I won't stand in the way. Chapter 17, verse 11. Okay, it's not on the screen. Back to the notes. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy. It's like a skin disease where your skin's rotting and falling off. It's lovely. Uh, And they stood at a distance. Oh, it's super contagious. Okay. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Some translations say healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. End of story. We got there. Eight verses. Pretty short one compared to some of the stories in the gospel. But here's some observations and maybe some questions that this story would raise. Firstly, if it's a short one, why are we wasting words with the border of Samaria and Galilee? We can really easily overlook this, but this is actually kind of important because it's trying to communicate something here. Samaria, if you're not familiar, uh, it was... I, don't have, I should have got a map. That would have been so smart. Samaria is an area that's a bit north of Jerusalem, but it's south of Galilee. It's kind of like just in the middle of Israel. And um, the people who lived in Samaria, Samaritans, were the descendants of, if you know your Old Testament history, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. Basically, Israel broke into two. The northern kingdom were like, we don't want to follow God made a bunch of silly mistakes, an enemy came in, overruled the place, dragged a whole bunch of them back to their place and just decimated the whole thing and then just let random people move in. So the Samaritans are the descendants of the random people who moved in and the people who got left there, right? So the people in the southern kingdom were not huge fans of this group of people in the north. And this translates hundreds of years into Jesus' day. So the Jewish people who lived in Galilee and in south of Samaria, in Israel, they did not like the Samaritans. So much so that they would just walk all the way around Samaria to get from Galilee back to Jerusalem. Instead of just going straight through. It's like half the distance if you go straight through. They didn't even want to go near them. Not even into their country. So Jesus is walking along the border. Which says something. He's walking between the accepted, the Jewish people, and the rejected, the Samaritans. Right? Jesus is happy to walk the boundary between the two, like there's no boundary at all. And to Jesus, there is no boundary. He's not just where we think he is amongst the accepted or amongst Christians, but he's amongst those that don't, maybe don't feel accepted, that feel rejected. Jesus is there too. Jesus works everywhere. So that's something we've got to take away from this. Then we move on to 10 men, uh, all with different backgrounds, but one thing in common. So he's walking the border, he's engaging both Jewish people and Samaritan, and then 10 men come along. That's all the story gives us. 10 men who had leprosy. We've got no names, we've got no backgrounds, 
We don't know if they're all Jewish or all Samaritan. We know one's a Samaritan, but that's all we know. Uh, And we don't really know much else. It's funny because it doesn't seem to matter to the story, right? We know they've got leprosy. It's pretty obvious what they need. They need that leprosy gone. But we know nothing else. So maybe it actually doesn't matter. And it certainly doesn't matter to Jesus. Jesus doesn't care. Well, he does care. He sees them individually. He obviously cares enough to heal them, but he doesn't need to know their history. He doesn't need to know if they're Jewish or Samaritan. He doesn't, it doesn't matter what the past looks like. He just sees them where they're at now, and he wants to bring transformation to their lives. And I think that's the same for each and every one of us. Jesus doesn't worry about what we've been up to for the last 10 years or what we did on that weekend six months ago. He doesn't, it doesn't matter about what state of mind when you walked into the building tonight. He doesn't mind. It's all good. He just wants to meet you where you're at and transform you into your future, which is what he does with these 10 lepers. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with anxiety or depression. Maybe you're here tonight and you're worrying about what you can do. Jesus is like, that's okay. Let's take you into your future. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. That's okay too, because it doesn't matter what your past looks like. If it mattered, for me, if it mattered what your past looked like, I wouldn't be here today. That's for sure. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at and take you into your future. So leave your past at the door. Leave what you're going through at the door. Approach Jesus. Okay, so Jesus heals the men, which is great. Well, actually, he just says, go and see the priests. And in doing that, the men are healed. So why do they need to see the priest? I think this is a weird question. Like, what's a, Jesus has healed them. What's the priest got to do with it, right? So... Go and see the priests and show them that you're healed. I think, I thought about it, and I thought about my life. When Jesus meet, encounter, when you encounter Jesus and he transforms your life, it's evident to other people, right? Even if Jesus changes something on the inside, that's going to work its way out. People are going to notice what Jesus is doing in your life. When Jesus moves, people notice. But it also goes a little bit further because in Jewish law, there are rules about what people with leprosy can and can't do. For example, you've got to live alone. You've got to live outside the city and town. And if you want to come into the town, you better put on your worst dirty sackcloths and rags you can find. And then you, run in, or you walk into the, the town and you yell, unclean. You just yell it out. And you go, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Everyone just stay away. Because I'm unclean. And people just... It's like they part the sea to avoid you. Talk about feeling rejected. Talked about feeling like you're not wanted. Like imagine being one of those 10 people. How am I with an incurable disease, rejected by society? How do I have a future? Imagine feeling that way. You can't even engage in regular society. But the, the good side of this is that Jewish law has an alternative for this. They have a provision for what happens if you are say, healed of your leprosy. This is in Leviticus, which is a big big book of rules. Uh, And it says, The priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And if indeed the sore has turned white, so what they're talking about there is if the sore has healed, then the priest shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. He is clean. It's almost like Jesus saw a few steps ahead here. He didn't just want to heal the leprosy. He instructed them to go to the person who could permit them to re-enter society. If they went and saw the priest and they were healed, the priest would say, you're healed, you're clean, come back in. 
You can see your family. You can see your friends. You can have a career. You can do something with your life that's not living alone in the wilderness in rags. Like, that's more than just immediate healing. Like, it's great they got immediately healed, but Jesus is freeing their future. It's not just about the then and now for Jesus. It's about what is next. And I think that's the same for each and every one of us here today. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at, but he loves you more than that. He loves you more than that. He wants to take you somewhere else. He wants to bring freedom to your future. So think about it. Where are you at today? Where do you feel God's calling you to? Jesus wants to help you get there along that journey. And then there's this last observation I want to make. If all 10 men were healed and all 10 men saw the priest and were permitted back into society, why did only one of them come back to Jesus? Think about that. We've seen 10 people experience like an almost unfathomable, a crazy miracle. We'll go with that word. That works good. But only one guy goes back to Jesus. Think about if you're in those shoes. You can't engage society because of something that's incurable, yet now you're free and you're able to engage society. And you don't even say thanks. You just get off, off with your life. Talk about taking something for granted. That's what I see the other nine doing. We don't know what they were doing. They definitely weren't going back to Jesus, which leads me to think they took it for granted. Sure, they experienced transformation. Sure, they got to pursue a future. But they took it for granted. And I, don't, I have no idea where that led them to be. They're definitely not mentioned here. I think the Samaritan guy understood something that the others didn't. He knew how to overcome the taking it for granted feeling. So Jesus can, he wants to meet whoever we are. He wants to meet us where we're at, take us into our future. He wants to give us more than just an immediate fix, but a pathway into the full life he's got for us. But we need to not take it for granted. The Samaritan, let's look at his response. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The alternative response to taking something for granted is gratitude. Man, it's so simple. When you think about it, easier said than done. The man's gratitude here is so obvious. And the definition of gratitude is to pause and notice and appreciate the things we often take for granted. It's like the direct opposite of taking something for granted. So he chose to go back, not just experience the healing, not just experience the future that was now free for him, but he chose to go back and appreciate the transformation that he was experiencing. And this is the gold. So let's apply this. If the answer to taking things for gratitude, that's not right. If the answer for taking things for granted is gratitude, we need to know how to apply it. It's all well and good talking about it and going, oh, you know, let's just be thankful for things. And that's part of it, sure, but it can't just stay there. Gratitude is an attitude. Uh, It is a way of approaching life. So if the answer is gratitude, who are we being grateful to? Jesus. We have to return to the source. The Samaritan guy, it's so clear. Yes, it's an eight verse story of a crazy miracle, but the answer here is clear. We, he recognized that the source of his life transformation wasn't the healing. It wasn't the priest declaration of his cleanliness. It wasn't his now free future. It was Jesus, because if he hadn't have encountered Jesus, he wouldn't have experienced any of it. He's not getting leprosy healed by anyone at this point. It's Jesus that brought the beginning of it and brought 
all of it. And so that's where he went to show his gratefulness. When God slapped me in the face in the middle of a worship song and said, you have taken me for granted, all I could do was be grateful. It was all I could do in that moment. I just thought about my journey, that if I hadn't have met Jesus nine years ago, almost nine, a bit over nine years ago to the day, um, I would not be here on this platform. I probably potentially may not even be here on this planet. Uh, I would have had no journey, no leadership, no personal development. I wouldn't have met Izzy. I certainly wouldn't have had my family, let alone a house. It's all because of Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have experienced any of my life at all. If taking something for granted is because we fail to appreciate something properly, then our antidote must be gratitude and we must return to the source for to give our gratitude, to give gratitude where it's due. What is Jesus doing in your life? What's he done in your life? What are you believing for him to do in your life? Are you grateful for it? Do you regularly take that opportunity to stop and appreciate what Jesus has done in your life? That is our opportunity when we worship. We don't just sing songs because we sing songs every week. It is an opportunity to actually spend time with Jesus, believing for what you, what you need done in your life, believing for your future with him, but also for being grateful to God, being grateful to Jesus for what he has done in your life. I mean, grace, saying grace before a meal. It's a little corny, isn't it? And you, you know, some people get together and they're like, hold hands and they're like, grace. My family does that. They don't go to church. Love you, mum and dad. I hope, you, hope you're not watching. <laughs> but it's at the point of grace is to be grateful, to show gratitude, to give gratitude where it's due. A simple thought where you're just like, Jesus, thanks for the sun being out today. It's so nice. Like that simple gratitude that can change your life. However you choose to display your gratitude, return to the source, Jesus. Second way we can apply this is don't just settle for being healed in a moment, but be made whole. Let's just look at this last bit of the verse quickly. When Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where's the other nine? And then he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The Greek, uh, the Greek language is getting a little nerdy here, but that's okay. We need to understand this. The word cleansed or healed, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Maybe they're going to put it up. I'm not, still not going to try and pronounce it. <laughs> But it means to make clean, uh, whether that's morally, whether that's physically, to heal. Uh, it's a, but it's a moment thing. So 10 men experienced a moment of complete and utter life transformation. Because let's be real, that healing was the re-entry into their life. But only one man was, your faith has made you well. Only one man got to experience that. And the Greek word there is sozo which in this context means whole. So you could read it this way, rise and go, your faith has made you whole. So one man experienced more than just a moment. He experienced physical healing, he experienced the life transformation, but he was also made whole and the difference was gratitude. Think about it this way. If gratitude is showing appreciation for what Jesus has done for you in a moment, well, yeah, that's where I wrote. I have to read this or I'll get it wrong. If gratitude is showing appreciation for what Jesus did in the moment, gratitude actually opened the door in the, for this guy, for Jesus to continue working in his life after the moment was said and done. And that's the, our opportunity with being grateful, with having a, a posture of gratefulness or gratitude towards life is Jesus doesn't just work in the moment. If I was just thankful for the moment, in the moment that Jesus met me nine years ago, 
Did I decide to say yes to Jesus? Uh, my journey might have ended about two months later when I got blackout drunk on New Year's Eve. But it didn't. Because gratitude is opening the door for Jesus to continue working in your life. Because it brings our focus back onto Him. It brings our focus back onto the Creator, back onto the Provider, back to our Healer. If we're not grateful, we begin to take things for granted. And what happens then? We get familiar with it. We forget about it. We go down the dangerous road that that leads to. But when we show gratitude, we experience more than the moment, we actually go on the journey with Jesus. You know, maybe that is just beginning each day with the I am thankful for. Just a thought. Maybe it's a gratitude journal. It's doing something regularly to be grateful. Go on the journey with Jesus. Don't settle for a moment. A moment is great, but it is a starting point. It is a peg in the ground to look back on and say, that's where my journey began. But if you want to keep putting pegs in the ground, you need to go on the journey. Regularly bring your focus back onto Jesus through gratitude. I promise you, your life will always be exciting. You will always have comfort. You will always have joy, not just like fleeting happiness, but joy deep down inside that no matter what's going on, you can look back on God. Like we sang, you never fail. We can always lean on God because we know he's going to come through for us. So let's ask ourselves some questions. Who are you in this story? Are you the Samaritan man? The one who recognized that he couldn't just take this for granted. He needed to go back to the source. He needed to show gratitude. Or are you the other nine where you've, you've absolutely experienced a life-changing encounter with Jesus? But that's it for a while. Who are you in this story? Who do you want or maybe need to become in that story? How often are you intentionally displaying gratitude? Maybe that's through your prayer life. Maybe that's just through thanking someone for the great coffee, like Jesse. Thanks for the great coffee, mate. I'm, I apologise, I spilt it all over my shirt. But thank you for the coffee. How often are you intentionally displaying gratitude in your day-to-day life? Or are you starting to take things for granted? Do you want to experience a moment or a lifetime of transformation? I know for me, I don't want to experience a moment. I'm sick of moments. I want to experience a lifetime of transformation. And not seasons where I get dry and start taking things for granted. I want to experience continual journey with Jesus. I want to continually experience Jesus working in my life. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray about this. And can I just encourage you guys as we pray? What are you thankful for right now? What, think, put something in your mind. What's something that Jesus has done in your life? What's something that you need Jesus to do in your life? What can you be thankful for in this moment? And we're going to pray. We're going to close our eyes. And, you know, if you need to be thankful right now, if you want to be thankful right now, why don't you just reach out to God? Jesus, we just thank you that it doesn't matter where we've been, what we've been up to. You just see us right where we're at, right where we are. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we wake up in the morning, we have to take a deep breath in and just say yes to the infinite possibilities that you've got for each and every one of us. Thank you for the change that you're bringing for the transformation that we all get to experience when we pursue you. Thank you for people being freed of anxiety, of depression. Thank you that you're healing people right where they stand, that you're making a way through where there doesn't seem to be a way through. We thank you for that. We just thank you for what you did for us on the cross, that you restored the relationship between us and God and allowed us just to walk in partnership with you and experience the life that you've got for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. And just while we're in this moment, 
Maybe you've not encountered Jesus before. Maybe you'd say, Matt, you know, I'm not on a journey with Jesus right now. Hey, it's never too late to start. If that's you, we're going to pray as well. But, well, we've got our heads closed, our heads closed, our eyes closed, our heads bowed. Why don't you just stick your hand up? If that's you, you go, yep, Matt, I need to pursue Jesus tonight. I'm saying yes to Jesus tonight. Just put your hand up and we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for people who are encountering you, whether for the first time or whether that's the first time in a long time. We thank you that this isn't just a moment for them, but you're actually meeting them. You're actually engaging with them. Lord, we just thank you that you continue to meet with them daily, to walk with them daily, to show them more and more about you, to bring transformation to their lives in ways they'd never expected, Lord. We just thank you for each and every person here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Who's ready to uh, be gratitude? Who's ready to be gratitude? Yeah. Yeah. Woo! (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs)